0: welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Not one, but two days in a row of NBA draft coverage on Fantasy NBA Today. I know it's as crazy as it sounds, but we're doing it. It's a crash course, and you guys are strapped into the car with me on this thing. We're just going to be bonking off the railings, working our way through it. We'll be joined here in a couple of minutes by the great David Williams uh, of our Memphis Grizzlies coverage team here at Sports Ethos, but also a die-hard draft enthusiast. He's been diving deep into that stuff. And what I thought might be kind of cool for today that you'll hear in a moment is just kind of juxtaposing a few of David's thoughts on the players against the guys we talked about yesterday and how that might translate into ADPs for next year, value against those ADPs for next year, and, of course, a few things to look for just in terms of fit. Because fit is a big deal, even though we have a, a, a reasonable idea, at least in the guys at the top of the draft. And again, I've already actually recording this thing kind of in reverse so i've already talked to david before i'm doing this opening here i will say this there's a name in there that got downplayed a little bit on yesterday's show that's gonna get upplayed a little bit is that a word it's not on today's i am dan bespris at dan bespris on twitter d-a-n-b-e-s-b-r-i-s this is a sports ethos presentation you guys know that by now uh Please do check out our baseball and our football coverage. Continuing to expand on everything they do over there, you're going to see more and more football stuff coming out over at Ethos Fantasy FB. Joe and JP doing a marvelous job on their podcasts. Uh, Baseball season, of course, beyond well in full swing right now. We're two full months into it. And uh, just really impressed with what those guys are putting together already in its infancy. Please do check that out, and thank you again, everybody that continues to listen to this show in the off season. I'm going to say it every damn day. I am floored and flattered by all of it. It's just, it's incredible. We're we're so far ahead of what we were able to do during the off last year. I'm I'm blown away by it. So thank you all. That's really really cool. This is off season episode number 53, and uh, might as well just get it going. I guess. All right. So clearly. Season veteran now i've got a full day of uh studying uh nba draft information under my belt so now i'm obviously the internet's expert foremost authority on the topic but just in case i don't actually know everything yet i thought it'd be a good idea to have two days in a row of nba draft coverage and this one an old buddy of mine the host of the Ethos Grizzlies podcast, also my right-hand man here at Sports Ethos, helping run the podcast division, my guy, David Williams. What's up, dude? How are you?
1: I'm good, man. E- enjoying this, uh, th- the draft season, enjoying the fact that we have a lot of guys still tuning in, right, guys and gals probably still tuning into the show, picking up on this draft coverage. I was really surprised looking at the numbers it's great you know i just love it um we isaac and i do a lot whenever it comes to this draft stuff we we love it we love digging into these prospects and watching film just talking about them um we have candace on the show she's a new voice that we added to the show this year and she's actually doing the uh the sports ethos seahawks coverage so yeah. you know she she's still definitely going to be a huge part of what we do over there at uh, ethos grizzlies but she uh she's just not as interested in the draft stuff. And and I'm like, Hey, you know, if, if you don't want to dig into this stuff, I'm not going to, you know, hold you to the coals. You go ahead and do what you got to (laughs) do. And Isaac and I love it. We we can handle it on our own. He is at
0: David W two one one one. It wasn't always this complicated, David. I don't know why he had to go and incite violence yeah. on twitter or whatever you did like four months ago yeah. and <laughs> to
1: start over just a violent person and i yeah. apologize that's what i do <laughs> can we I don't, I don't know if
0: we've said it on air and i don't know if you even want to but do you want to tell the listeners what you actually do for a living and why the fact that you got a twitter handle suspended for inciting violence is even like triply insane
1: uh i mean yeah i don't mind yeah i i uh, i'm a nurse Actually, I, I'm a, a hospice nurse for uh, a company that has offices in. Oh, I wasn't prepared for that. Six or seven states.
0: <laughs> you didn't have to go I was just gonna say, yeah. like your your duty is to help create levels of comfort for humans, and you got a Twitter handle uh, knocked off yeah. for inciting. I mean, it's just like the most idiotic thing ever. But uh, if you knew David before and wondered where the hell he disappeared to, it's because. Twitter's bots of approval decided that it wasn't right. And so uh, poor guy had to start over again. It's David W two one, one, one. If that's too annoying to remember, uh, you can just follow at ethos grizzlies and then you'll be tagged in, in all the stuff that goes out over there. But like, before we even get into the draft stuff, I just gotta, I gotta give you some love, man. You guys, you and Isaac and Candace, who again is, has now branched off to handle some football coverage You guys built this Grizzlies coverage up from nothing, and now you're in arena at times covering the team. You're on the the press calls. This is like, and I'm using this, by the way, as a segue to recruit for Sports Ethos because you guys have done all this stuff the right way. You created connections in the industry, and now you are industry voices for the Memphis Grizzlies. It's just so damn cool, man. I'm so proud of you. Uh, Congratulations on all the success of the show and yourself
1: man i i appreciate it it's uh it's been tough it's it's a lot of work uh you know COVID hit and it yeah. almost done me in like it we uh i started the show with a different co-host and you know life happens he wasn't able to continue with me i, I just kept on grinding luckily made the relationship with isaac he came on as a guest and i just kind of reached out to him one time and i was like hey man do, do you want to come on do you want to do this regularly and, and he's like, sure. And I cannot give him enough praise of how great of a, of a catch that was for the show. A lot of great insight from him. He does a lot of work and, you know, he has helped me grow. He has radio experience in the Memphis market. So, you know, I, I've learned a lot from him and, and it's been great. It's, it's been fun to watch it grow. Always loved the Grizzlies, Been been a season ticket holder for a little while. And, and it just kind of, it's opened up a lot of doors that I never thought that I'd be able to walk through and got to see a lot of stuff up close and personal that I never expected. But here we are and I'm loving every minute of it, man. I I still, the first time I got to go and I hate to go long. I know that you don't have a very wide window here, but
0: no, this is good. I I love these types of stories. It's it's off season time, man. Everybody's just (laughs) ready to chill and relax. And so you got to hit us with it. yeah, Yeah.
1: I don't want you to get yelled at, though, man. You guys aren't talking about fantasy. We'll get there, I promise. <laughs> but the the first time I know the negative that, review that is had, coming. <laughs> yeah, first time I had in person uh, interview access, and you know, with COVID, it's been super weird. Uh, they they were the NBA was requiring you to be fully vaccinated. You had to turn in the proof of all of that. So you go in and you're fully masked up, and we're standing there. And DeAnthony Melton, this was. Um,
0: Oh my, before
1: before game one uh, (laughs) of this year, we were standing there, and Melton is the guy that we were interviewing. And all of a sudden, I feel somebody tap me on the shoulder, and they're like, Ask him why he got lined up today, ask him, ask him why he got lined up today. And I I immediately recognize the voice, so I I know who it is. And I turn around, and John Moran is standing right over my left shoulder. Incredible. Like, it was so hard not to fanboy, right? Like, you're you're a member of the media now. You got to be respectful to the guys and all that. But, you know, never in my life did I expect that I'd be standing there and John Moran is tapping me on my shoulder. But there there it was. And and it's been great. Had had a lot of opportunities to meet people that work in the industry, a lot of other great media people. And uh, it's been great. I can't wait to see where it goes from here.
0: If you guys would like to do this, Give us a holler at Dan Bespris on Twitter. That's the easiest way. You can also email uh, roster at sportsethos.com. You would actually be working with David if this was your cup of tea. He can show you what he's done. He's now walked the path, and we'd love to have you do it. We have a lot of teams that are not covered right now, and uh, again, we've branched out into baseball and football as well, so there's a lot of opportunity here at Sports Ethos. Perfect time to get going on it because we actually have – uh, time to help, because the basketball season isn't going right now. Well, I mean, draft season will be over in a minute here. Um, So let's dive into the basketball stuff. The yesterday, and the, the joke I wanted to make here kind of at the outset is like, okay, on yesterday's show, I didn't know anything, and now obviously I know everything. Uh, I don't. I talked to the marvelous William Harris yesterday on the podcast, and he threw some names out and what he thought they might do at the NBA level. David, you are sort of a, a more traditional NBA redraft fantasy guy. I don't think people know this about you. They know you as the Grizzlies dude, but you're actually really damn good at fantasy sports. Um, what? And I'm, I've been going back in my head, back and forth all day on the right way to format these questions for you, but I kind of want to tie it into what William and I talked about yesterday. Uh, so I'm going to go through some players, and I'm not going to hit you with anything you don't know. These are largely big-name guys. My curiosity with you is, is do you think, well, first of all, what do you think they do at the NBA level? And then secondly, maybe more importantly, do you think said player could be a, a value on draft night or do you think the hype train's going to kind of run away with it? Is that... You know what? Let's just do it. I'm not even going to ask you if that's okay. I'm just going to dive right in.
1: (laughs) Ready or not. Yeah, ready.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Damn it. It's my show. I do what I want because I'm going to just act like a jerk today and everybody's going to have to be okay with it. All right. The great David Williams. We'll just start at the top. The first name that William threw out yesterday is the guy who's likely to go first in the draft uh, to Orlando, and that's um, Jabari Smith. Mike... (laughs) I screwed up the last name there.
1: I thought you knew everything. I, know. I thought you had it under control.
0: What's not, going on? Not even going to edit that out. Just going <laughs> to leave that in there. Um, so the thought there was, you know, fit shouldn't be a problem wherever he goes. Obviously, your number one pick's going to get to play a whole bunch of basketball. But is this a guy, David, first again, how do you think he handles year one at the NBA? Can the field goal percent be improved over what it was at college? Because, you know, we talked a bit yesterday about his three-point shooting, which was very good. And then... Is there any universe where someone going first in the draft could still be better than where they get drafted? Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game, it's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Boo, say all of your friends. You start to sweat.
1: I that's a tough it's a loaded question honestly because I I don't know what the hype train is going to do with him and just from the last couple years number one overall picks have kind of I I was trying to remember Anthony Edwards I believe because you know the the pre-draft stuff with him was a little bit weird and he was all like uh, you know basketball is not really my top sport yeah even I remember that yeah, so there was some concern with him, so he fell a little bit, and then he ended up—I I don't remember where he finished that year. I didn't look it up because I didn't plan on talking about him. But you know, Cade Cunningham—he—he he had the hype, and I think that he was going what like right around the the 100 mark this year, somewhere in the, like 90 to 100. Yeah, about
0: 90, I think that's right.
1: Yeah, and then you know he—he didn't—he ended up finishing like just at, by totals, uh, just outside of the top 100. So pretty close. You didn't actually. really get yeah. You you didn't get value from him, but you didn't really get beat over the head. Um with, with Jabari, the what you said was perfect. He can go whichever team drafts him. If he doesn't go number one, he's the type of player that he can plug in anywhere. He's gonna play the fit doesn't matter. He doesn't have to have the ball in his hands to be effective. He's a great shooter. And I really do expect to see his his field goal percentage improve in the NBA. Because of the spacing, he's going to have a lot more time to get his shot off. Not that he needs it. He's got a very smooth, very quick release. He's going to be able to get his shot off at the next level, no problem. And plus, he's 6'10", massive wingspan. So he's going to shoot over the top of a lot of people. Um, So I do expect to see that field goal percentage go up for him, even though that's not typically what you see in the NBA. But because of his size, he's not going to be a primary ball handler. He's going to be somebody that's playing off ball. And if he goes to Orlando or if he goes to OKC, they have plenty of facilitators on those teams to get him in his spots where he can get good open looks. And so I don't expect that it's going to like jump north of 50%, but I think that it will be better than what it was at the college level.
0: What kind of an NBA season do you think that would potentially translate to? And I know it's a really tough question, but just from like a uh, a rankings ballpark even.
1: Yeah, I'm, the, the defensive stats for him, I, I think, is kind of, like, he gets steals. He doesn't get enough blocks. So I worry that his defensive stats, I I don't know that he's going to be a big enough positive in other areas mm. to, to drag him up the board because of the defensive stats. Um, and that that's really – I don't even know that that's a, a, a concern per se. But to me, I, I don't mind drafting him in a redraft league, but I'm probably oh. – the, the only rookie on the board that I'm touching before 100 is, is Chet Holmgren. Mm,
0: guess we got to go that direction, don't we? I was actually going to ask you about uh, Paolo Bonquero um, yeah. because he was a name that came up yesterday as kind of a similar uh, mm-hmm. stat line. Slightly lower free throw percent, three-pointers, slightly better, I think, field goal number to uh jabari smith you have a quick take on paolo before we go to chet because i know he's a guy you really want to talk about and i want to give you a nice bit of wiggle room to talk home run
1: sure yeah i, I don't mind to talk about banchero at all he, he's a guy his offensive game is gonna translate at the nba level um i he's one in the the one of the guys out of the top four that i'm not sure what his fantasy game is going to look like. I feel like for the first couple of years that he's not really going to be fantasy relevant. I think that because he, he's he's a subpar defender and, and some of that might be effort. So you could maybe see that get coached out of him depending on where he lands. But he, he takes plays off on the defensive end. And depending on who his coach is, that may affect his playing time. You know, if if he goes to a place... You know, if he goes to Houston, they they don't really have any like big name elite defenders down there anyway. So they're going to be playing to lose. So it may not be an issue, but he's going to be able to score the basketball. He's going to rebound well. His field goal percentage is going to be pretty good. Um, as a big man, I think that his his free throw percentage is going to be okay. Um, I can't I didn't have his stats down. I don't remember what he shot from the free throw line. It was like seventy one or seventy
0: two. When I looked it up yeah. yesterday, something like that. So you know, a, a,
1: as a guy that's playing the the four, that's not an awful free throw percentage, and, and I don't know that he's going to get to the line enough to really tank your percentages. But I, I worry about him turning the ball over. I worry about the defensive stats with him because you know it's typically when you're playing fantasy, you're, you're looking at, at nine categories if if you want to win, unless you're in a punt build, obviously, and then that makes a difference. Um, but I'm far from an expert on that. I tried to do a punt build this last season, and completely whiffed. And it finished, I think, last in that league. Actually, it was, it was pretty bad. I was trying to recover, and I just, I, I whiffed on the build so bad, it was terrible. So, yeah, I think that he can be effective offensively, but I think that he's just a guy, kind of, he doesn't have the same game as Ja Morant. So when I make this comparison, I. Two completely different players, but John ja Morant in his first two years was far better real life basketball player than he was fantasy. He just, you know, where did he finish his second year? Like he finished outside of the top 150 in year two, and his numbers look, you know, good. You look at the numbers, he's got the big, big counting stats, but the other stuff kind of drug him down. And, and I think you'll see that from Banchero.
0: Okay. So I know you got your guy here, and uh, I want to give you the breathing room to discuss Chet Holmgren because the the big fear, and again, as by the way, the name that popped in my head when you were talking about Paolo was Jalen Suggs as like a athletic, going to have issues with turnovers, percentages are not set in stone, doesn't shoot the three ball, all that. I might be off base there, uh, just from a number standpoint, not necessarily an actual physical NBA game. But uh, over to Chet. What I learned about him on yesterday's show from William is that he is very tall and not that heavy, but it also sounds like, I and I finally, after doing that show, I, looked, I sort of scoured my Twitter, and instead of just ignoring all of the draft tweets, I actually looked at them, and it does seem like the Thunder are pretty keyed in on Holmgren. Did I read those tweets right, and... Is that the best possible spot for him because they really don't have any centers they trust on that team?
1: Yeah, I think I I, I would be extremely surprised if he falls past the second pick. Uh, they made a trade. They went out. They gave up the 30th pick to get Jermichael Green. Jermichael Green is a bruiser. He's a, a four. Sometimes he will play the five, but he's the type of guy that you need to play next to Chet Holmgren. Jermichael Green can guard the majority of the fives in the league, and Chet Holmgren, because of his frame, that's going to be a struggle for him. Rookies tend to struggle with the physicality of the league when they come in anyway, and because of Chet's frame, that is going to be a concern. But I, I think a lot of people overlook the fact that, you know, Chet does a lot of things at an elite level, and we, we haven't really seen anybody with his skill set and his size, so you know the, the combination of the two. You hear, I, I really I hate the term because it, it gets thrown around very loosely, but unicorn. um And and Chet has that. You know he shot. He was like sixty one percent from the field, thirty nine percent from three, seventy two percent from the free throw line, and three point seven blocks per game. Yeah, that's. Nuts. I don't expect, like I don't expect him to be a four blocks per game guy in the league, but blocks come at a premium, and you can carry yourself up a board if if you have a high-level of blocks. Miles Turner always finishes pretty high because of the number of blocks that he gets. And, you know, the rest of his game is, is fairly friendly. But I think that Chet has some stuff that we didn't get to see at Gonzaga that he will unlock at the next level. And maybe not necessarily in year one, but I have enough faith in his defensive stats that I think that if if you can get him around the 80 range, I think that you're going to get value out of him.
0: Do you think he profiles fantasy wise, like Miles Turner as someone that like drifts away from the basket a little bit on the offensive side? Or do you think he ends up playing closer, maybe down the line, maybe not so much this year. Again, this is, I'm way out of my comfort zone here, so I don't know how this stuff tends to translate from a timeline perspective. But, you know, Miles Turner is generally in that like 12 to 14 point range, six to eight rebounds. He's not going nuts with either of those, but Mm -hmm. a three and a half, two to three blocks per game, decent percentages, low turnovers. That does seem like maybe the kind of thing you could set as a target for someone who blocked almost four shots a game in college. Maybe the question should be how long does it take to get to a place where you can trust him to play twenty-five or more minutes per ball game?
1: Yeah, and that that's gonna be he, he hasn't really had big health issues. Like, you know, he, he was healthy at Gonzaga, he played prep, and, and I realize the level of competition is different from, you know, the the West Coast Conference playing prep ball and then getting to the NBA. But Chet's super competitive and, and he is a guy that even like at every level he's been in there and he's been playing physical with, with the people that were at his level. And yeah, it, it's a step up to the league, but I don't think that it's going to be such a step that he can't handle it. I, I really do think that you could see him in that same stat range as miles Turner. I, I think that you may get some more assists from Chet because he is a very, very good passer and as the fourth option, as far as playmaking at Gonzaga, he averaged two assists a game this year. And that's something that I think when teams try to harass him and they try to, you know, just like bully him around, he's going to be able to pass out of that stuff and, and he's going to find guys. So I feel like he has another level, like, you know, where Miles Turner tends to finish very well because of the number of blocks that he has. I think you could get you could see similar numbers and blocks from Chet, but you may see quite a few more assists from Chet to help him climb up the board even higher.
0: Is he the guy of everybody in this draft that you feel most confident beats his ADP? I mean, there's a lot of time. We, We can do a redux on that in September when you see what hype trains look like, but right now, does he feel like a guy to you that has that profile because people do look down on the conference he played in. People do look down on his stature or, uh, or is he just someone that you like a fair amount?
1: I think that he can. Like, I, I would be comfortable taking him around the 80 mark. I think that he can outperform that just because of the defensive stats. Like, you know, he he's, He's not going to be a primary. He can handle the ball, but he's not going to be a primary ball handler. So his turn- turnovers are going to be low. You're not going to have to worry about that. 72% from the line is a big man that, you know, that's serviceable. Like I, I can deal with that. That's much better than, say, uh, you know, Yaka Pertle at, you know, 50% or whatever he was this year, Miles Plumley. <laughs> like, Which, are, by the way, know.
0: on the Pertle front, he was at like 39% for the first two months. So he, he, he <laughs> yes. pulled it up a little bit.
1: So, so that's something that. I wonder what's going to happen with him. You know, if he gets above eighty, like if he's getting drafted before eighty, if you see him climb into the sixties, I don't know that I trust any rookie to to take them that high. If you go back and you look at the rookies and where they finish, you have a few that finish inside the top eighty. You have four by totals: Herb Jones finished at forty, Scotty Barnes at forty-six, uh, Franz Wagner at fifty-five, and then Mo- Mobley at sixty-seven. But there's so many questions with with Chet and rightfully so. You know, you see a guy that, that's seven foot and he just looks like a walking stick, you're gonna be concerned. And I've heard Bobo Comps and Sean Bradley, and I feel like a lot of that is just because there's no there's nothing to compare him to. He just doesn't have there, there's nobody that's played the game at his size that has his skill set. So there's not a true player-to-player comparison for him. And so yeah. that, you know, like when you're looking at Sean Bradley, the only comparison between Bradley and, and, and Holmgren is the frame. You know, Bradley was like, what, 7'7 and weighed like 105 pounds soaking wet. <laughs> and that's kind of what Chet is. You know, he's not 7'7, but he's very, very skinny. And so you worry about, you know, what he's going to be able to do in the league. But he's far more skilled on the offensive end than what Bradley ever was.
0: By the way, I you know, I want to like Sean Bradley actually from a fantasy standpoint, if folks, I didn't play it in the in the 90s when he was doing most of his stuff. But had I, he would have actually been a really good fantasy player. <laughs> I mean, I know that like impact wise from a reality standpoint, it probably wasn't that great. But like in 19 in mid 90s, like 95, 96, he was blocking almost four shots a game. Yeah. Yes, he is seven yeah, yeah, seven, and I get it. Right. Chet's not that, but I just I wanted to give Sean Bradley a little bit of love because he does get made <laughs> fun of a lot. But there was a long stretch there where he was uh, among the league leaders in blocked shots, which you know you me and you man we play a lot of roto. That would have been pretty damn useful almost thirty years ago. Yeah,
1: if, uh, four shots a game. Yeah, you could uh, <laughs> almost not worry about it drafting anybody else, and he'll get you enough to uh, get get the points that you need. That that's. The the one thing I learned a lot this year in, in roto, and, and I had always kind of questioned if you could really play a punt strategy in roto and see it work. And I kind of th- there were a couple stats this year. I ended I didn't win the league. I finished second, but there were a couple stats where I was essentially punting. I finished, you know, other than the few teams that kind of you know they faded away and, and stopped setting their lineups. Right. You know i finished near the bottom and a couple stats and still finished second in the league and had i not maybe i would have ended up winning the league but yeah i think that you can implement a, a punt strategy My, maybe not as strong as what you can in a head-to-head league but y- you can avoid certain stats in, in a in a roto format and still have success and and i never prior to this year i never tried it and i didn't intentionally do it this year it's just kind of how it went down <laughs>
0: All right, I got two questions for you before I let you go. First is on Jaden Ivy, because all that I'm seeing and hearing there, and again, people know me, I don't know much, uh, is that this is the, like, big swing kind of guy. Could end up superstar, could end up flame out, could be a fit issue where he goes, what team takes him. Uh, is he the prototypical, like, maybe don't draft him and try to get a guy like that in January before he takes off kind of guy. Cause that's the feeling I'm getting from all that I'm like reading about him and, and looking at his numbers from college.
1: Real, real life basketball. Jay Ivy is probably my second overall prospect in, in this draft. I, I feel like he is going to have success at the NBA level. But fantasy-wise, I'm just going to avoid him. I, I I don't think year one, if you go back and you look at Jaden Ivey's college career, he stayed at Purdue, and then you saw a massive leap. His first year wasn't all that great. You see a massive leap from him coming into this year. And, and a lot of things change. He, he's extremely fast with the ball. He can get up and down the floor quick. Explosive. He shoots the ball well. There's a lot of positives, and he could completely make me wrong in in avoiding him, but Jalen Suggs was a guy that was really good at the college level, and the speed of the game of the NBA gave him issues, and he was not able to really adjust. Jalen Green was another guy that the majority of year one he struggled, and then what was it like the last month, month and a half, you really saw him turning around, so if you could – time that right with Jay Ivy, maybe that would work out, but I'm just going to, to stay away from him because I think if, if he goes to Sacramento, my question is what's his playing time going to look like? Yeah. He has this skill. Like he, he's, he can, you know, he can be out on the floor. You can, I think that he's an extremely underrated off ball player. You can play him on the floor with De'Aaron Fox because he shoots the ball well enough to do that. He moves well without the ball in his hands, but you can't play De'Aaron Fox, Davion Mitchell, and Jaden Ivey all at the same time. They're, just, they're too small. You can't do it. You're going to get tore up in matchups. And, you know, Davion is a great defender, but I would say that that is not a strong suit for a Fox. And Jaden Ivey is probably at this point serviceable at best. I think that he can improve there, but that's just not a lineup that I think you're going to see them run out on the floor. And so I wonder how much playing time he's going to get to bring you any type of fantasy value if he lands there. Yeah. Obviously, if there's yeah. a trade, that's why I, I kind of hope that, you know, we can come back on after the draft so I can be like, because, you know, if, if any of these guys go to the Knicks, t- you know, Tim, he, he's not playing them. If they go to Atlanta, <laughs> Nate McMillan's not playing. Like, the, it, it, it depends so much on where these guys land because Jalen Johnson last year was a guy that I thought could have fantasy value. And I don't think that he saw minutes all year long in Atlanta. And it just blew my mind with the injuries and stuff that they had. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, as much as I'm willing to soften my stance on rookie big men, I am not willing to soften my stance on rookie guards. It just takes too long. And there's too many things that can hold them back where the other stuff they'd have to do is it's just too heavy a lift. Uh, Last question here. And I know I'm running low on time. So this one's a little bit more lightning roundy. But yesterday, William kind of convinced me to keep an eye on Mark Williams. Do you feel similar that if he ends up in the right spot, he's one of those guys that could kind of just sort of walk into a high-floor situation?
1: Yeah, it goes back to blocks. Williams was a guy, um, 2.8 blocks a game at Duke, and they kind of used him as a security blanket there. A lot of guys knew that he was there, so you know if their defender got past them, was not a big deal to add Williams back there to block the shot. But he's going to rebound the ball well. He's going to shoot a very high percentage. He's great in the dunker spot. So he, he's going to be a field goal percentage booster. He's not going to kill you at the free throw line. He was low 70% from the free throw line. Good rebounder, a lot of blocks. I think that he he is a guy that definitely could. If he goes somewhere where he gets playing time year one, He's a guy that can have fantasy value for sure.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't seem like he would get drafted all that high in in fantasy drafts either because he doesn't have that the big name. Because he was a guy that William mentioned yesterday that I hadn't heard before, and as again as like blinded as I am by to all of this stuff, I had at least heard the top four names. I'm I'm around basketball enough to say okay, yeah, I know who that guy is, and I just choose not to learn anything about them. I didn't even know who Mark Williams was, but that type of fantasy stat set translates pretty easily uh David Williams my man thank you so much dude I really appreciate you coming on and hell yeah we'll do this again after the draft
1: awesome look forward to it man
0: he is at David w two one 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 that's three ones at the end of that or just follow ethos Grizzlies that's uh, again easier to find and you can find David over there his amazing work on our ethos Memphis Grizzlies coverage David Williams later my man later The delightful David Williams, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I know his Twitter handle is a little bit hard to remember. David W. 2111. David W. 2111. But I really would strongly, he and William both, deserve your follows here. If you follow fantasy basketball, if you follow youth in the NBA, if you follow the Grizzlies, they've got you covered. So please do check out those guys and a a massive thank you over the last couple of shows for breaking down some of these young guys and getting us ready because tomorrow, what we haven't told you yet is that David and William are going to be co-hosting live NBA draft coverage here at Sports Ethos on our YouTube page. I'll tell you more about that on tomorrow's show in the morning. We'll be tweeting about that after everything all gets set up here. So uh, definitely check that out if you want the fantasy ramifications in addition to the reality ones, as players go off the board on Thursday, June the 23rd. This one's in the books. This one's in the books. Episode 53, Dunzo. I'm Dan Bespris. Again, thanks to David Williams. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. We'll talk to you all tomorrow on Draft Day.